Max Reaper from Royals Review joins us to talk everything Royals, whether it be Salvador Perez, Brady Singer and the Miners, anything you need to know about the Royals, you can get from RoyalsReview.com, SB Nation's official Royals site. Uh, once again, Max Reaper, Royals Review, let's go. Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. Welcome back, everybody. We are on to the Kansas City Royals for our off-season recap. We have Max Reaper from RoyalsReview.com. Max, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Well, thanks for coming on. We kind of tossed and turned trying to figure out how we're going to tackle this team. A much different roster than four or five years ago when they made the World Series and won the World Series, beating the Mets and then losing to San Francisco in back-to-back years. Austin and I went back and forth, and we're a big fan of SB Nation and going there. We've talked to a few writers before. We've you know texted back and forth a few times, and we found you, and you seem to be the Royals kingpin, if it will, <laughs> for holding on to the fans here and kind of knowing what's going on. Well, thank you for that. Yeah, I think we've, we've kind of held the bandwagon intact with duct tape and WD-40 as best we can. But yeah, it's been... You know, if the Royals hadn't won it four years ago, I think everyone would be just be just in the pits and, and in despair in Kansas City about the Royals. But, you know, when you win a championship, you get kind of a nice honeymoon period. And we're kind of still in that honeymoon period where it's like, well, we can't be too upset. We got that. That flag still flies out there. Right. So, exactly. uh, you know, it, it'll if there's another couple years of. 100 lost seasons like we had last year i think the fans will start getting a little restless again but you know right now we're, we're just we're kind of still in that you know afterglow so yeah absolutely and you did a great job before with guys like hosmer and mustakas coming up and and drafting and and making trades and i'm sure you're going to do that again and a guy that did make the world series turnover a guy that's been a staple on your team for a while salvador perez had a little bit of an off year last year when it came to average wise, but he's turning into more of a slugger anyway. From this, from here on out, it seems. I mean, the guy's going to hit twenty plus doubles. He's going to hit twenty plus home runs, and and you can expect that from him. He's obviously going to be there on opening day. We know that he's going to be your starter. He's going to play a bunch of games. Is he going to be there long term? He's got a pretty team friendly contract. He's only twenty eight years old. He's on the contract for three more, two more years after twenty nineteen. Is he someone that gets moved to the deadline for a bunch of pieces, or is he someone that you hold on to and he's going to be a Royal for life? Yeah, there's been some speculation, I think, just because the Royals are clearly going through a rebuild where I think ordinarily some organizations like the Cubs or the Astros, you know, they would what they've done through in their rebuilds is they've they basically traded everything that wasn't bolted down to the ground. And, and I think a, a club like that might trade a guy like Salvador Perez, but I don't think that's how Dayton Moore operates. Uh, and he's actually pretty been pretty explicit saying that they're not going to just raise the organization and 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 he's actually specifically forbid the word rebuild he doesn't believe they are in a rebuild it's he's called it more of a kind of a building up process where they're going to build off the assets they currently have so i think salvador perez is here to stay you know it is it's it's not a super friendly contract like it used to be they redid the deal and it's still a good deal. Um, I think he's getting like 10, 10, 12 million over the next couple seasons per year, which is about what he's worth on the open market, I think. Um, and and so I think he's going to be there as kind of the heart of this franchise, the face that fans can relate to, and also kind of a mentor for the younger guys that come up. You know, he has a, he has a great clubhouse presence, kind of the goofy guy that's always um, 
uh, splashing Gatorade on the guys after wins. Uh, so I think, it, it, you know, I, I'm not a huge believer in clubhouse presence, but I think it does matter a little bit. And having a guy like Salvador Perez, I think, certainly helps. Uh, when you talk about his, you know, offense, I think you kind of you put the nail on the head. He, his power has kind of increased every single year, but his average and on-base percentage has gone down every single season. It's actually made him, I think, a slightly less a valuable offensive player than he was a couple years ago. Uh, and, and I think the big problem, you know, number one, I think he's gotten a little worn down just because Ned Yost uh, used him so much and gave him so much playing time without any days off. And number two, I think he's, you know, he's always been a guy that just kind of swings at everything. His plate uh, recognition is not very good. It's among the worst in baseball. Now, when he hits, you know, when he swings it and makes contact, you know, the ball goes a long way. Uh, but the problem is he's swinging a lot of bad pitches, and that's, I think, hurt his batting average quite a bit. But he is hitting more home runs than ever. Um, he gives the Royals one of their few uh, power uh, you know, bats in the lineup. So I think for those reasons, the, 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 the mentorship and the, the leadership, I think he's here to stay. Yeah, I think so, too. It seems like they want to keep you know the team together. And I like that he, your GM's trying to get everyone to be drinking the punch, that it's not a rebuild, a retool. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we have some pieces here and, and you do have some pieces, of course, but I think there are some more hundred lost seasons like we talked about before in your future. But Perez will be there to stay. And in 2022, which is three years from now, so a little while away, that'll be his decision if he wants to leave or come back. A position that is not more so under wraps, I guess, considering that catcher and second base are is first base with Hunter Dozier. He's under a great contract, obviously team controlled next couple of years and then arbitration years. Is he the future, or is there going to be a prospect coming up, or is there going to be a free agent like a Justin Bohr, if you will, not him specifically because he's on a team, but something like that? Yeah, Dozier uh, is interesting. Uh, he played first base a little bit last year, but he also he's probably more naturally a third baseman, which is where I think he'll end up starting on opening day this year. Um, he, If you look at his numbers, they're pretty underwhelming. I mean, nothing to, to really write home about, but he kind of – Figured it out uh, late in the year in September when the team started playing really well. So when you look at his, uh, you know, 229 batting average, 278 on base percentage, 395 uh, slugging. You know, it's not great, but he did come on strong in September. I think they're hoping that carries over a little bit. Uh, he's a former first round pick. He's got a little pop. He can walk a little bit. But I, you know, am I convinced he's part of the future? Not really. He's 27 years old. He had some injury setbacks in the minor leagues. I think he's probably a bridge at this point at third base. Uh, until they find their next solution. That might be a guy in the minors like Kelvin Gutierrez, who they got from Washington for Kelvin Herrera last year. It could be someone that's not even in the organization right now. I don't know that he's going to be here for the long term. As far as first base, um, you know, the guy that's kind of intriguing that came up uh, about August last year is Ryan O'Hearn. Um, he hit 12 home runs in just 44 games for the team, which is interesting because he wasn't like a huge power hitter in the minors, he, at least not by putting up big home run numbers. I mean, he hit like 15, 20 home runs every year. But I guess the club did a lot of uh, kind of analytics data, stat cast data with his bat in the minors. And they were finding he was, you know, he, when he did hit the ball, he hit the ball a long way. I mean, he had some of the longest distances they were seeing. And they thought that, well, you know, they trusted that data over his raw home run numbers. And they said, well, let's give him a chance in the major leagues. And sure enough, he got to the big leagues and he uh, he did really well in all sorts of stat cast power data. And of course, 12 home runs in 44 games in Kauffman Stadium. That's nothing that, no, you know, nothing to shake, uh, you know, nothing to shrug about. So I think Ryan O'Hearn uh, is going to get the job at first base. At least he'll get, you know, the initial um, starting job. 
He's a left-hander, so he may be susceptible against some left-handed starters and relievers. They may sit him and maybe move Dozier over to first base on occasion. Uh, but I would expect O'Hearn to get the job there. Uh, we'll see if Dozier sticks a third. I wouldn't be surprised if they brought in someone else. Um, Dayton Moore has talked about bringing in another veteran infielder, which I think would mean third base. Uh, but we'll have to see. I think you know if you're going to build up a young team, I think you'd at least want to give Dozier a chance at third base and see what he can do. Yeah, it seems like O'Hearn was a little bit of a lightning in a bottle there at the end of last year. So it's nice to have him come up. And hopefully he can just keep that train going. And Dozier and Gutierrez at third base, you know, is not a bad platoon if Gutierrez does make it up to the big club and stays there. That is, those two positions on the infield are a little shaky. Catcher isn't, and neither is second base. And he's one of my favorite players, and I know he's one of Austin's as well, and that's Whit Merrifield. Yeah, Whit uh, has really come out of nowhere. I mean, he was left unprotected for the Rule 5 draft just a couple of seasons ago. Uh, he came on in 2016 and hit really well. And even then, like the team still didn't believe in him in 2017. He didn't make the opening day roster. And, uh, I think he just kind of redoubled his efforts and, and, and had a fantastic year that, you know, that year. Uh, and then this year he, uh, just really turned it on, became like a five wins above replacement player, led the league in hits and steals. Um, and he's really kind of a throwback because, you know, a lot of teams are getting away from stolen bases. He's actually stealing bases more than anyone else in, in the American League right now and doing it at a high rate. Uh, and he's got, you know, he's got a little bit of pop, not a, not a lot of pop, uh, but pretty good for a second baseman. Good gap to gap power, which I think is what you need in Kauffman Stadium. So he fits that stadium and fits kind of the Royals ethic really well. You know, he's got positional versatility. He runs well. He plays his position very well. So, yeah, he's been a fantastic player. And, and the question in Kansas City now is, how long does he stay in Kansas City? Because he he's, he's uh, under uh, club control for another four seasons. So the Royals could keep him through a rebuild if they wanted to. On the other hand, he's 30 years old now. He kind of he came up very late, so he's going to hit free agency, you know, into his 30s. Uh, and we know that second basemen, or at least there's a theory that second basemen don't age very well into their 30s. So you wonder how how long is Whit Merrifield going to be this high impact player and should we trade him to kind of cash in on his success right now and get some assets that are that are going to be valuable in two or three years and i think for the royals you know what they've been saying is that we need what merrifield on this team we feel like he's a guy that can be with us uh, as we contend again uh but they're not totally closing the door and trading him i think that if they were overwhelmed with a with an offer from another team that they would trade him I think the problem right now is that you're not, you know, there's a pretty good free agent market for second baseman right now. You, you know, Murphy was signed, uh, uh, Ian Kinsler was out there, DJ LeMahieu is still out there. So there may not be that many teams looking to trade for a young second baseman. But if there are, uh, I think the Royals would at least listen to an offer. But I think they're going to expect top prospects back for Whit Merrifield. And right now, with the way teams are hoarding prospects, I'm not sure they're going to get that for Whit Merrifield. I feel like the Astros kind of started this trend of hoarding prospects because yeah. they have this roster. They have all that depth. The Braves do it too. I mean, look at the Padres. The Padres obviously have nothing to show for it at this point at the major league level, but that won't be the case in two or three years. But you're right. Second basemen are like running backs. Once you once they hit age 30, you kind of need to start looking for another one at that point. They just beat up their bodies so much playing so physical like Dusta Pedroia. I mean, Witt's physical, but Witt's one of those guys that does it all. I mean, he he's good defensively. He's batting 304, which is phenomenal. And he's a guy that I was surprised that made it even through the deadline because I think that he demands a big piece back. 
Yeah, and there's been talk about, you know, like I think the Cubs are looking for a leadoff hitter. And he's a guy that I think would fit that organization really well, sliding in at second base, but also filling in in the outfield as needed and hitting at the top of that order. Uh, and there was, you know, there's some speculation that maybe the Cubs would trade a uh, guy, guy like Ian Happ for Whit Merrifield. I don't know if they would actually do that. But, you know, I think there are some teams who would fit in really well. Maybe the Dodgers, if you know, knowing that they like positional versatility and moving guys around the field, they may want to have Merrifield at second base and also play him in the outfield some. So, he, you know, because of his versatility, he can fit in a lot of places. Uh, it's just a matter of who's going to be willing to give up that, that those prospects that will get Dayton Moore to say, okay, we got to make this move to make this franchise better in the long run. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to demand what JT Romuto is demanding, but he's going to de- demand something in the ballpark of it. I mean, he's still one of the best second basemen in baseball. Yeah, yeah, and the Royals could really use uh, some some better prospects in their system. Their farm system has been you know, ranked near the bottom of baseball for, for the last couple seasons. And they've had some really poor drafts, uh, bec- and, and that's been a big reason why. But, you know, that they really need, you know, if they are going to trade with Merrifield, they really need to hit a home run with that trade because uh, the best way to, you know, really the only two ways to add to your farm system is through the draft or through trades. And, you know, the, the draft, you only have one shot at that every year. And uh, so the Royals really have to, to to make a great trade to fill up that farm system. And Whit Merrifield right now is is their best tradable asset, really. So let's go to the left side of the infield. You mentioned a guy like Kelvin Gutierrez. You also have Mondesi over there. Also, Hunter Dozier possibly playing third base where you said he's more natural. What is the opening day lineup looking like for shortstop and third base? Are we looking at Gutierrez? Are we looking at Mondesi? Maybe Dozier at third? What's it look like? I think Gutierrez is probably still a year away. They really like his defense, but his bat, um, you know, he was in double A last year and he didn't have, he had an, an okay year, but not a, like an overwhelming season that says, okay, let's skip triple A and send him to the big leagues. Uh, that said, I think if he gets off to a pretty good start, you could see him in Kansas City before the end of the summer. I think Dozier will get a first crack at third base. Um, I think they want to give him a chance to, I think, uh, to, to show what he can do. This is, you know, he, at 20, age 27, this is kind of the crossroads of his career. He kind of needs to uh, do something now or else he's probably going to wash out of baseball. So, uh, you know, this is his opportunity, and I think he's going to get a good long look. At shortstop, I think it's Alberto Mondesi's job. I mean, I think they, uh, they were really impressed with what he did down the stretch last year. He showed some uh, really amazing speed. Uh, and defense, which is, you know, like I said, that's kind of the hallmark of this franchise and what they really uh, like to stress. And um, and he also showed really good power out of a shortstop that they haven't seen out of that position really ever in franchise history. He had 14 home runs in 75 games. So, you know, it's basically half a season. If you prorate that, that's you know 28 to 30 home run season out of a shortstop, which the Royals just never get out of that position. So he's got a great power speed combo, stole 32 bases in basically half a season. Uh, that's an exciting young player, and this is an organization that really doesn't have many high-impact players. Like any, you know, Salvador Perez is an all-star, but he's still kind of a limited-value player just because of his low on-base percentage. And he's getting older, and he's you know he's not the young guy he once was. Montesi is the kind of guy that I think does provide you with that high upside. He could be a le- legitimate all-star, maybe even an MVP candidate someday if he puts it all together. Now his problem is that he has trouble making contact he's going to have a high strikeout rate he doesn't walk very much at all so if the league does figure him out a little bit 
he could, he'll, he's going to have to adjust, really. But the ball really flies off his bat. He's got blazing speed. And, uh, you know, I think the Royals are really excited what he can do. I, I think they're going to hit him at the top of the lineup with maybe Mo, uh, Merrifield hitting right behind him. And that's going to provide one of the best, you know, one-two stolen base combos in the league. Uh, and that's going to be really exciting to watch. Now, will it lead to a lot of runs? We'll see. But I think Montessi is, if you're looking for one guy to get to get excited about with the Royals, I think Montessi is the guy that to keep an eye on. We just talked about a one-two stolen base punch, and we're not even to Billy Hamilton yet. So you know <laughs> that this team is going to be fast. Right. Oh, I can't wait. One of the biggest things that stuck out to me in free agency and just in general is the fact that your outfield is going to steal 200 bases this year. And they're actually going to be exciting to watch as a bright spot on a team that's going to lose 90-plus games this year, most likely. You have Alex Gordon, Salar, Hamilton, and even Chris Owings, who I'm assuming will be kind of like a platoon guy out there. But, I mean, that's a great defensive outfield. That's a great. I like Chris Owings, personally. I like Chris Owings, too. And I think he can, if he just gets that batting average up, he'll be good. And he can be a very serviceable player. And I think that with Hamilton, Salar, and Gordon, I mean, you're going to steal bags. You're going to play great defense. You're going to save some runs. And some of those young guys are going to really take notice of that. I mean, you have a very good defensive squad with the outfield, with wit. And like you said, Gutierrez isn't there yet. But, you know, next year, well, 2020. Very good. They like his defense. That's on a high. So getting back to that contact kills, speed kills, good defense that the Royals were four or five years ago. Is the outfield that simple? Is it Gordon, Solar, Hamilton, and Owings in the mix? Or are some guys like Brett Phillips and Goodwin, are they going to push for, uh, you know, starting spots? No, I think you're right in that they, they do want to get back to that formula that they had in 2014 and 15, where they had outstanding outfield defense and really all defense all around. And, and they stole a lot of bases, and they were kind of exciting on the base paths and, and made things happen. I, and they kind of got away from that the last couple of years, and I think they really want to get back to it. And that, that was the big impetus behind the Billy Hamilton signing. I think Dave Moore said something to the effect of, you know, we need to excel in some aspect of the game, you know. Uh, and so they decided stolen bases is going to be their, their game. And, and, yeah, they could steal 200 bases with Monacy and Merrifield and Hamilton. I mean, those three guys right there could very easily finish one, two, three in the American league and stolen bases next year, all with 40 to 50, if not more stolen bases. So that's, that's exciting to watch. Um, on the other hand, you know, baseball is kind of getting away from that right now because, uh, you know, you can steal bases and, um, you know, work a productive out to get to scratch a run. And then the opponent can just tie it up with one swing of the bat. So, uh, teams are kind of moving away from stolen bases. So, you know, we'll see if the Royals kind of grand speed experiment can work. Uh, they said they want to kind of zig while other teams zag, and I, I kind of get that. But on the other 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 hand, you know, stolen bases are out of vogue for a reason. Um, but it, you know, at the very least, it'll be exciting to watch. As far as how the outfield uh, lines up, I, you know, Gordon, he's a Gold Glover in left field, uh, one of the better defenders. You know, he still his bat hasn't been good ever since they signed him to that uh, four-year, seventy-two million dollar contract. This will be the final year of that contract, so it could be, you know, it could be a Farewell for Alex Gordon. I don't know if, if he really fits into the plans beyond this year, and he'll be 34 this year, so doesn't really fit kind of a young rebuilding team. But um, you know, he still provides really good defense out there. Billy Hamilton, they said, will be their starting center fielder, who is not just a great you know, base dealer, but uh, can can really fly in the outfield and is a great ball hawk out there. And I think he'll fit Kaufman Stadium really well because you know, remember he was playing in a 
smaller ballpark in Cincinnati, so that kind of limited his range a little bit. And Kent Kaufman, he's got a big outfield to cover a lot of ground, and his defensive metrics could look uh, could look really eye popping out there. I think so. He's exciting. I, you know, the big problem with him, of course, is he can't get on base, and you can't steal first base, right? So. Um, that you know he's going to have to work to get on base enough to to make those stolen bases count, and then the right field you know it's interesting I think Soler will probably end up at DH a lot. He's had a lot of injury problems. He um, his defense is kind of work in progress. I think I'll see some time in right field, uh, but I think they wa- they want to DH him more, and I think they're really counting on it. You know, remember he was the big return for Wade Davis, and he's shown flashes of being a really solid power hitter but has never really put it together just because of his injury. So he missed, I think, the final three and a half months last year. So the Royals really need him to come back and be healthy and and provide 20 to 30 home runs next year, get on base, and be a solid run producer in the middle of that lineup. Uh, so that leaves right field, and right field's kind of up for grabs, I think. Um, Chris Owings, who you guys like, uh, I think is going to be in the mix. I think he's probably more of a utility player and he's got pretty good speed too don't uh, don't overlook his speed he could steal 15 to 20 bags um as even as a reserve player uh but i think he's going to be kind of the fourth outfielder or fifth outfielder maybe play some infield as well brian goodwin has a kind of inside track i think to play right field they got him from the nationals last year and he didn't do much with the royals because he was hurt but um you know he's had some some good numbers and limited action with the Nationals, so I think they'll give him a chance. And he's out of options, so he can't really be sent to the minor leagues anymore. And then they have Brett Phillips, who you mentioned, who who does have an option year left. Uh, they got him from the Brewers for Mike Moustakas last year, and he's got uh, he's he's a tremendous defender, an outstanding arm in right field. He can run a little bit, probably still 15 to 20 bases as well. Uh, but he's got a lot of uh, contact issues. I think he needs to work out, so they may send him to the minors to try to iron that out, get his average up a little bit. Uh, and then they also have Jorge Bonifacio, who people forget about. He was uh, a pretty solid rookie in 2017, good pop, uh, and then was suspended for the first half of last year due to uh, banned substances. Uh, I think it was a horse steroid. <laughs> but um, when he came that's back... Had, he, that's hardcore. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know where you get those. I guess it is stable. But... Um, but yeah, he was. Uh, he didn't. He struggled when he came back, and I think it was kind of a lost year for him. So he may get sent to the minors just to kind of get his swing back. And um, but I think he'll be in the mix. He's the only right-handed bat in that outfield, unless you count Owings as well. So uh, you know he may be in the mix. But I, I would expect him to get sent to the minors to start the year. But you know the Royals have some young options out there, and like you said, I think it'll be a very good defensive outfield when Phillips is out there, when Goodwin's out there. And when Chris Owings is out there, he's actually a pretty good defensive outfielder as well. So, yeah, I think the Royals are trying to get back to good defense on outfield. And I think with the guys they have in place, they should be they should meet that goal this year. Just the fact that this is where the Royals have spent their money on two particular players. You have a guy like Ian Kennedy, where you've you spent money, I guess, hoping that he would be at least the number two, which, I mean, I think he was he had an awful stretch last year to start the year. Yeah, <laughs> it, was, it was like yeah. historically bad. It was right. so bad. Then you have Danny Duffy. I mean, who up until a year ago was I thought was going to be a big trade piece, a part of some some kind of a trade, and it never happened. Who? What is the one through five going to look like on opening day? I know it's hard to tell because you y'all are probably going to bring in a couple of veterans, if anything, at all. But what does the one through five look like as of right now? Well, I think Danny Duffy will be your opening day starter. Now, there's you know always you know maybe a possibility of him getting traded. Um, I know there have been teams interested in the past. I think last offseason there was talk 
that the Astros are very interested in him. But he had kind of a down year last year, um, struggled uh, with command a lot. His velocity was down a little bit, so you're always worried about injuries in that case. So I don't think he'll get traded. I think the Royals are going to hope that he bounces back, kind of lives up to the the contract, the long-term contract they signed with him, where it was five years, $60 million. He's a guy also that loves Kansas City. He like you know I think he'd be quite frankly devastated if he was traded. He really loves this organization. He's always tweeting about how much he loves the town and the people here. So you know, and some of that you know, some of that's you know, when players do that, it's kind of lip service. But with Duffy, he's like the most genuine guy you can imagine. So I think he'll be here on opening day. I think he gets the start. Ian Kennedy has been, frankly, an abject disaster as a free agent signing. He's been, um, you know, okay the first year, but the last two years have been just horrible. And he had some injury problems last year with some hamstring issues. But I think his his better days are are, are past, are you know, well well in the rearview mirror at this point. He'll be 34 years old this year. Um, he's a fly ball pitcher in an age where you don't want to give up fly balls because they're going to go out of the ballpark, even in Kauffman Stadium. So. Uh, he's kind of living on borrowed time, and they've got two more years this year and next year left on his contract. It's a five-year, $70 million contract. So they kind of have to keep throwing him out there because they're a small market team that can't afford to just eat the losses. But there, there's going to be a point where it just doesn't make sense to keep throwing him out there anymore. Now he's Right now, he's still serviceable. He's, he's not getting hammered. But um, you know he, he's, he's going to have to keep producing to stay in that rotation. Um, Jake Junis is their third starter. He's a younger guy who I think you've got some hope for. He's another fly ball pitcher, but he's kind of managed to to succeed despite that. Uh, he's not a big strikeout guy, but um, but he's shown enough promise. You know, nothing. He's not going to be an ace or anything like that. But he's a serviceable mid rotation guy that can give you some eat some innings for you. He's gonna, the nice thing also. He's an, he's a very quick worker, so you um, kind of I think that helps the defense a lot of times when they're not just standing around all the time. The number four starter is Brad Keller, who was um, a Rule 5 pick last year, interestingly, from the Diamondbacks. Uh, not a guy that you would expect much out of. Kind of jumped from AA, didn't have great numbers with the Diamondbacks, but came to Kansas City and um, just kind of impressed from day one. He just kind of was very composed out there, didn't seem overwhelmed by the opportunity. And by midseason, he was in the rotation and kind of, um, and, and, and actually improved his performance. I mean, the knock on him early on was like, okay, well, he's he's doing well, but he's not striking guys out. Uh, so eventually that's going to kind of regress and he's going to, you know, he'll get welcome to the major leagues in, in hard fashion. But he actually kind of worked on his stuff and started striking guys out more. Now, he's not a great strikeout pitcher, but if he can succeed with the rates he was doing at the at the end of the last year, I think he can have some success. So he was actually a pretty solid rookie last year. I think the Royals are hoping that that was just the beginning. He's still very young. He's only 23 years old. So um, that's kind of a nice starting, you know, him and Junis, I think, are a nice start to a younger rotation that they can start um, building around. Uh, the fifth spot, I think, is going to be up for grabs. Um, Eric Skoglin is probably... The, the inside track uh, has the inside track. He's a lefty up through the system, um, but he's not. I mean, his numbers are kind of inconsistent. Uh, Jesse Hahn, the former A's pitcher, uh, missed all of last year. I think his, you know, his status for the op- uh, for opening day is probably in doubt at this point. Um, I think it's quite likely he has Tommy John surgery. Uh, he's kind of uh, he's kind of put it off, hoping he doesn't have to get it, uh, but it could be an eventuality. But if somehow he becomes healthy. I think he'll be on the running for a rotation spot. Um, and 
I think it's you know probably likely they bring someone else in from outside the organization, um, at least some veteran starter to kind of compete. Um, there's other guys like Trevor Oaks, Heath Fillmire, who pitched well at the end of last year, Ben Lively, they got off uh, waivers from the Phillies. So there's some guys you can throw out there in the fifth spot, but most likely I think they're going to bring at least one or two veterans, and it won't be like big names, or at least if it's big names, it was you know guys that were good 10 years ago. Um, it's probably going to be guys at the end of their career that are looking for a one-year deal and um, and will eat some innings for the Royals while they wait for some of these other younger arms to, to come up. But it's not, you know, honestly, it's not going to be a great rotation. Uh, they're going to hope that Duffy bounces back, hope that Junis and Keller uh, make progress, and hope that Kennedy isn't just god-awful because uh, he's not trending in the right direction. Yeah, that makes sense, honestly. We weren't too far off with that. We had, in no particular order, we had Kennedy, Duffy, Han, if he was, if he can be healthy and doesn't need Tommy John, we had him in the rotation. We had uh, Jake Junis as well. We kind of overlooked Brad Keller. Didn't realize how good he was last year uh, to the tune of almost two ERA. And he had like 25, 26 starts. So he, and he appeared in like 40 games. So he really, um, he really kind of performed very well, like you said. And he definitely will be on the rise, him and, and Junis. And considering that their contracts are so great, they, uh, they're going to be on the team for a while. We were looking at your top prospects. Obviously, you're very top-heavy in your top prospects. You don't have a lot of depth in the system. You have a handful of guys that are decent project prospects. Um, most of them are project guys. Only one guy in the top 100. We noticed that your pitchers in single A and double A, they're listed as starters. And they're starting games. They're starting like nine or ten games last year in double A or single A. And they're only throwing like 29 pitches, 28 pitches. Is that by design that they're just throwing out there like an opener type situation where they're just kind of like, hey, like we just want to see how they do two, three innings, get out in the mound, see a couple things and get them out? Or are they just getting in trouble and that's why their averages are a little high? Or is it just coincidence that it just happens to be that they only had a handful of starts? Uh, I think the lower levels, they, they kind of just like to try out a lot of different guys just for short starts, uh, just to get them a, a taste. Because I think you don't want to pigeonhole guys as starters or relievers too early unless it's pretty clear that a guy doesn't have a third pitch, then he has to go to the bullpen or something like that. So, And look, they're a team that needs to find starting pitching wherever they can find it. So you got to try out really every arm in the organization to give them a shot. So, you know, they, they – They've got and they they went very heavy with pitchers in last year's draft because there really weren't any pitchers of note in the organization uh, before last year's draft. Uh, and then they've helped they've added to that a little bit and with trades last year for Mike Mustakas they got Jorge Lopez who I should have mentioned as part of the rotation mix so he could be in there as well. Um, and then also with uh, when they traded Kelvin Herrera they got back uh, a, a young arm Johans Morel. So there there are some younger guys that they've started adding. Uh, I think the draft. A lot of how this rebuild goes is going to depend on last year's draft. Uh, they they took college pitchers with the first five their first five picks in that draft, including the 17th overall pick Brady Singer, who was uh, college pitcher college player of the year last year uh, out of Florida. And um, you know he hasn't pitched in a uh, in a affiliated pr- uh, game yet. He's done some uh, made some outings in in the instructional leagues over the winter. Uh, just because they wanted to kind of uh, rest his arm a little bit, he had I think he had a minor injury. They wanted to avoid uh, tweaking, so you know he'll make his professional debut really this year, and I think he could be a quick riser. Um, we'll see how how aggressive they are 
bring him through the system. But, you know, he's a college guy that's pitched in the College World Series uh, on some of the bigger stages you can as an amateur. And, uh, and he's got, you know, they like his bulldog mentality. They think he's got a chance to be a, you know, number two or number, even a number one at the major league level. So, uh, and that's something they really need because they don't have anything like that in the organization right now. Like I said, Junis and Keller are more back to the rotation guys. Duffy has shown flashes of that, but he's been very inconsistent. And so I think they need a guy like Singer to be that guy. And they also got, you know, some other good young arms. Daniel Lynch was a guy that wasn't really, he was a third rounder out of Virginia that wasn't really that heralded. Uh, but then once he started pitching in the minor leagues, scouts took notice and said, whoa, this guy is actually pretty good. And um, he may be, some people are saying he may be better than Singer already. Uh, so he's a, he's a left-hander to, to kind of keep an eye on. He advanced all the way to, I think, the high A ball last year. So he was already a quick riser, and you could see him go quick, very quickly through the system. So, you know, there's some intriguing young arms. Jackson Coar is another one. Uh, he was Singer's teammate at Florida. Uh, but they're going to need those guys to really, uh, to really advance. And the Royals have had trouble developing starting pitching of their own the last decade, really. Um, and they, that's, that's why they've had to go out and get guys like Ian Kennedy because they haven't really developed – uh, guys through the farm system. So it's going to be really important they develop guys like Brady Singer and Daniel Lynch and Jackson Coar uh, because, you know, they're a small market team and they can't really go out and get a David Price or a Chris Sale all the time. So it's going to be really important they they keep that pipeline going with, with, the, with the young arms. So you just said that, you said that they're a small market team. They obviously are. The trend seems to be with small market teams. I mean, I know Texas is going to adopt this probably with their three, four, five guys next year. The Rays started this crazy thing called this opener. Is there any possibility? I know Oakland adapted it towards the playoffs a little bit. The Rays pretty much ran with it outside of Blake Snell the entire year. Is there any chance that the Royals try this new strategy? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, The Royals, they have an analytics department, and they've kind of defended that department. But at the same time, I think they've got the reputation of maybe being one of the more analytic-resistant franchises. which I don't know if that's fair or not, because I mean, obviously we're not privy to a lot of what they do. Um, I, I, I do know that they use some analytics. They they specifically were very heavy on shifting last year, and Ned Yost, you know, had some skepticism to it, to say the least. But uh, they did adopt the shifts a lot. Uh, would they, you know, go to something as you know radical as bullpenning and openers? I think it's a possibility. Um, they they do know the value of bullpens. I mean, they were kind of the ones that you know, lay down the blueprint in 2014 and 15 of, okay, have your starter go five or six innings and then turn it over to your bullpen. And that's all you need to do. Uh, and so they know the value of the bullpen, whether or not they would, uh, you know, actually just have a starter that only went one inning or two innings. Uh, you know, that would, I think, go against Ned Yost's more old school, you know, tendencies. But, um, but when you're a small market team, when you don't have a lot of really good starting pitching, then I think you should probably experiment. And, you know, they've got a lot of candidates for the rotation. Uh, and when you have a lot of guys like that, it, maybe it makes more sense to have Jorge Lopez pitch an inning or two and then turn it over to someone else. Um, so I think, I, think they're, I think it's an argument that they can be convinced on. Uh, whether or not that's an argument they're having in their front office right now, I don't know. Um, but And I, I do know that the, uh, the beat writer for the Royals he did broach that question with them, and they, I think they said that they were, they were open to it, but you know, it's too early to commit to it right now. So I, you know, it's, it's a possibility, especially if more teams start adapting 
that strategy, and then I think the Royals would have to say, okay, we have to at least give this a chance. And uh, you know, with the, with the personnel they have, I think it would make a lot of sense. Yeah, this is a team that's still set in their ways until still trying to steal bags. So you know yeah. <laughs> that it, I mean, it can't be too far off, you know. But uh, let's talk about this bullpen. We don't want to go. We don't want to completely pick apart the entire bullpen. Help me out with the seven, eight, nine guy for this team. How is that going to look going down the stretch? If you can, <laughs> I think we know one guy. It might be the closer. I think well, I, I think that yeah. might be set. Maybe is it, is it Willie? It's got to be Willie, right? Well, there's a lot of question marks. I think Willie Peralta is the default closer right now because just because he's the only person on the roster who has more than one career major league save. <laughs> yeah, who's actually pitched in the ninth inning before in a major right. league game? He's, he's yeah. kind of there until someone kicks him out. Yeah, and he he only did it last year because they traded Herrera and they really didn't have anyone else and and I and I think they felt like he had the stuff to do it uh, and he and he really embraced it. He said he enjoyed closing. He was it was a, a role he really relished. So I think he likes it. The problem is he's you know been very inconsistent in his career. Now of course that was as a starter, but um, you know he has a lot of trouble with command. I think he walked like six per nine innings last year, which is very high. Uh, so I think they would like to get a more established uh, closer in there, um, but you know they're obviously not going to go for the top guys. They're not getting Craig Kimbrell in there. Uh, Dave Morris said he wants to find, he wants to kind of wait out the market and see if there are any uh, value bargains out there. Uh, and he kind of pointed to you know when they found Ryan Madsen off the trash heap and and turned him into a really nice reliever. Uh, that was kind of an example he used as something they want to do. So I think they're going to look for guys like that. Guys that you probably forgot about that were good two or three years ago, and are looking for another chance. And the Royals are like, "Hey, we've got a we've got a job for you." <laughs> and uh, you know, maybe they'll find a diamond in the rough. Maybe they won't. But you know, when you have when you have a team that's not going to contend, that's that you know you're going to lose ninety games, hundred games, you can afford to give opportunities just about anyone. And so you know, if they find a guy that kind of settles into that role pretty well, and they can flip him in July to a contender, I think that's that's probably a win win for the Royals. And I think that's what they're going to try to do. So right now, I would say Peralta in the ninth. The eighth, I mean, I, th- I think Peralta probably ends up in the eighth with someone else in the ninth. But um, if you're looking at the eighth right now, I don't know if there is an answer. I think Kevin McCarthy is probably the most established reliever they have. And he has like 100 games pitched in the major league so far. So, And he's a, he's a low strikeout guy that gets ground ball. So I don't know if he's ideally the guy you want at the eighth. And then the seventh... I, I mean, maybe Brian Flynn, who's kind of a long reliever, uh, who's a little bit experienced in the major league level. Maybe it's a Jorge Lopez, who I talked about as a rotation candidate. I think some teams, some scouts like him better as a reliever, uh, and he's got pretty good velocity. And 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 he threw a eight innings of a perfect game last year against the Twins, so he obviously has good stuff. It's just a matter of being consistent with that stuff. So yeah, it's it's a lot of question marks at this point. They've got a couple of Rule Five drafts uh, picks this year that you know they struck gold last year with uh, with Brad Keller. They got uh, this year they got Sam McWilliams from the Diamondbacks and Chris Ellis from the Cardinals. Maybe one of those guys you know they strike gold again and one of those guys ends up being really good. They got a guy off waivers from the Cardinals that throws 100 miles an hour named Connor Green, who has command issues and but maybe he figures it out. And becomes really good. And they've got a guy in the minor leagues named Richard Lovelady. One of the better names in the minor leagues, I think, Richard Lovelady. Uh, but he's been fantastic in the minor leagues. And I think he's probably ready for the big leagues. So uh, he's a left-hander who could be a late-inning guy. So I think you could see him um, by May or June this year if they feel like he's ready for big league action. So it's gonna you're going to see guys shuttle in, in and out of Kansas City. 
in their bullpen. They're going to really have to sort things out, and which is kind of weird considering how great that bullpen was three or four years ago. So uh, it's going to be a far cry from that this year. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, much different than before. I mean, that bullpen was, I mean, dominant even when you guys won the World Series and you guys had, uh, who was it that came up in 2014? Was it Finnegan? Oh, Brandon Finnegan, yeah. It was Finnegan, and that's what I was hoping for Feltman to do last year for the Red Sox. But oh, yeah. Finnegan, I mean, he was huge, and you guys had everything in between there, and obviously Wade Davis and all those guys. So you know how to build a bullpen. You know how to build the team through, kind of like how the A's and the Rays do, just small market, drafting, trading, like you said, and it'll turn it around. But this team won't be good next year, but they do have some pieces at least, which is nice, and, you know, um, I I understand it a little bit better now. <laughs> who who are some of your favorite pieces in this farm system? As far as this farm system, I think the the fan favorite and it's definitely the fan favorite on our site is a guy by the name of Nicky Lopez. He's an infielder out of Creighton University. Not a very big guy, very small, diminutive player that you wouldn't think much of, but he's a very high contact guy. Uh, really puts the ball on, bat on the ball. Good speed, very good defense on the middle infield. Um, can play shortstop, shortstop or second. Good arm, and he, and he's supposed to be like a really good makeup guy, a g- gritty gamer who loves playing baseball. So he kind of checks all the boxes that the Royals like. I think he will be up before um, the All Star break. Uh, it probably depends on if they trade Whit Merrifield or not. But um, but he's a guy I think that that could be ready pretty quickly. And and he's a guy that I think a lot of fans want to see just because there aren't a lot of there aren't a lot of exciting players uh, in the upper minors, and I think he's one that, um, you know, he's not going to be an, I don't have any illusions he's going to be an all-star or anything like that, but I think he can be a really solid player and a guy that at least will be a fan favorite. Uh, a guy I really like is Khalil Lee, who is probably probably their higher upside um, prospect in the minor leagues right now. Um, reminds me a little bit of Dexter Fowler. Uh, good power, not great power. Um, walks a good amount. Strikes out a lot, but he'll, he'll walk. And steal some bases, play really good defense, uh, and so I think he's a he's a kind of player that um, can give them a really solid outfielder for the future. He's he was in Double A last year. He's probably a year or two away, but he's a guy I get kind of excited about. And then uh, a catcher by the name of MJ Melendez. Um, he's only 19 years old, but he hit 19 home runs at the A ball level. Uh, strikes out a lot too, but he's a really good solid backstop. One of the quicker pop times. You'll see back there, uh, son of a coach, a college coach. So he's, you know, obviously knows the game of baseball really well. And, um, you know, I think he's a guy that when Salvi's, you know, if Salvi sticks around, maybe he moves to first base. If he doesn't stick around, then I think he's a guy that could replace Salvi behind the plate someday. So there are a couple of guys. It's not a very good system, and they've got a lot of work to do. But that doesn't mean there aren't a few guys that you can get excited about if you're a Royals fan. I, I really like their draft class last year. I think the pitchers um, were pretty uh, – was, that was a pretty smart thing to do, getting a lot of pitchers like that. And I like Kyle Isbell, an outfielder they got in, uh, I think, the third round out of UNLV, um, who's uh, draws a lot of comparisons to Jason Kipnis of the Indians. So uh, kind of that kind of nice gap power – uh, high average, um, you know, steal a few bags kind of guy. So, um, yeah, there's some a couple guys to get excited about. But like I said, this is going to be a long rebuild. It's going to take, you know, a couple years of good drafts, maybe a couple trades like 
trading away Whit Merrifield for some assets, and then kind of hoping you know a guy like Brett Phillips breaks through, or, or a guy like Brian Goodwin suddenly um, you know becomes a, a, a solid starter, or Jake Junis becomes a really sar- st- a solid starting pitcher, um, and so they, they've got their work cut out for them. But uh, you know that's the, that's kind of the life of a, a small market team. You kind of need a lot of things to go right to be competitive, and and the Royals. Like you said, did it once before, and hopefully they can do it again. 